Miracy. We see a lot of people who have a vision for a course, but aren't necessarily able to turn it into a business in the way that Sam has. So I think this is a good starting point for people who really want to build a business around their expertise, around how they help people. Hello and welcome to Course Lab, the show that teaches creators like you how to make better online courses. I'm Ari Ini, the Director of Growth at Miracy, and I'm here with my co-host, Abe Crystal, the co-founder of Rizuku. Hey, Abe. Hey there, Ari. In each episode of Course Lab, we showcase a course and creator who is doing something really interesting, either with the architecture of their course or the business model behind it, or both. Today, we welcome Sam Ahmoudi to the show. Sam Ahmoudi is the founder and president of Liberty Tutoring, a one-on-one tutoring program. Thanks for joining us today, Sam. Thanks for having me, Ari and Abe. Thanks so much. So to kick us off, can you give us kind of a 30,000-foot view of kind of how you came to, of course, well, first of all, what you do, how you came to online courses and kind of delivering teaching in general? It all started at McGill University when I was doing my undergrad engineering degree, and I had taken a course in my third year. And I did really well. I had done really well in the course. And then the professor approached me in my last year of undergrad and asked me to be his teaching assistant. I accepted the offer. And I remember, so it was the first session and I was you know, freaking out. But the moment I started the class, everything changed. I was feeling happy, calm, and in my own elements. And it was there that I realized my passion for teaching and coaching. And so when I finished my undergrad and graduated, I moved to Calgary to work as an engineer in oil and gas. But on the side, I was doing tutoring on my own, just for the joy of it. So gradually, idea came to mind running, starting a tutoring company with the concept of students helping students. Because I always felt that you know, students would be better to connect with younger kids or the same age range. And that's how I started a tutoring company back in 2004 when I moved back to Montreal to do my master's. Initially, it was under the name PDK Tutoring, which stood for Passion for Teaching, Dedication to Our Students, and Knowledge to Teach. And when I finished my master's in 2007, then I started to focus on the tutoring business full-time. And in 2009, it was renamed Liberty Tutoring. And then how we got into the online aspect of it, it was sort of like by accident. You know, One of our students was leaving on a vacation and asked us whether they could continue you know, being tutored online. And we said, sure. And we started doing you know, the Skype tutoring. And then we started really promoting our online service. And then when you know, COVID hit, we already had all the infra- infrastructure in place. It was an easy switch for us. And since then, we haven't switched back to in-person. It's all online at the moment. And currently, we serve students in Ontario and Quebec, high school and elementary. We also recently launched a new service, French as a Second Language, which is for all ages, from kindergarten kids to all the way to adult business owners and corporations. And that's being offered pretty much across Canada right now. Just to confirm, so currently all of the teaching that you're doing, and it sounds like for the duration of kind of the lifetime of Liberty Tutoring, it's all been one-on-one or do you also do group yeah, it's been mainly one-on-one. Recently, with the French as Second Language program that we, we launched, we also offer the option of group programs to corporations. Otherwise, it's all one-on-one private personalized classes. And you were mentioning that your focus is on elementary or high school kids. I'm assuming that those kids are not the people paying for the tutoring or for the, you know the work. And so how have you found 
kind of that process of selling essentially both to the parent and the kid and kind of getting the kid on board? Like, how do you handle that? Very good question. I mean, our approach is when it comes to like sales is very consultative. And at the end of the day, we want to be able to offer what's best for the kid. And I think the reason that we've been fairly successful in our sales is that parents like the way that, you know, we ask questions to get to know their kids. And we just ask questions after questions and really trying to learn what the root of the problem is. Sometimes, in fact, parents come to us and call us and tell us, you know what, we need a tutor for my child. For example, one case that I can remember for essay writing skills, for example, and then for English. And then after you know, asking questions and digging deeper, we realized that the reason that this kid cannot write, in fact, he was very good in English. He didn't really need much help with English, but he was also suffering with French. And the reason that he was not able to write essays in French was not because he didn't know how to write essays. He just didn't have the vocabulary. So then the whole thing switched. And then we say, you know what? I guess your kid needs more French and really focus on his vocabulary. And it was, I remember I spoke with a mother and I encouraged your kid to read more books in French. And so that's how we approach it. You know, we really try to find the root of the problem and offer a solution that really fits what they're looking for. So it sounds like from what you're saying, the teaching process is very individualized to the student. Yeah. Yeah. Do you provide your tutors with a curriculum to take the students through, or is it up to the tutors to kind of come up with it themselves? First thing is that it all starts from, you know, hiring process. For example, our French as a second language teachers either certified in teaching French as a second language or have extensive experience in teaching French as a second language. Okay. We don't even hire someone who's a high school French teacher because they're good in teaching that high school core French, but they may not be the best candidate for teaching French as a second language to a non-French speaking person. So that's how detail oriented we are when, we, when it comes to hiring our instructors. And you know, we have a fairly large database of materials that we provide to our tutors. And it's a collection of 19 years of materials that we've covered and we collected. And so they have their initial training, of course, but then they're constantly being mentored and guided by tutors managers. But when it comes to teaching and designing the lesson plans, then our tutors will design the lesson plans according to their assessment of the student's needs, because we trust them that they know their student needs better than anybody else in the team. So we let them design the lesson plans accordingly. Awesome. Abe, any questions, anything you want to dig into? Well, a lot of people listening to CourseLab are very interested in courses, obviously, and specifically, they come with the idea that like, oh, I just need to build a course, right? Everybody's talking about courses, like the first thing I need to do is build a course. And it sounds like the way though that you approach things was more focusing on offering services first. And so I was wondering, how did you approach the strategy that you came up with in terms of building your business? For me, the spark was, first of all, realizing my passion for teaching. And the joy that I was getting from helping my students when I was doing tutoring myself. And it was just like priceless. And as I said, I was working as an engineer and I didn't need the money. I just was doing it because I just loved it. And the more I was doing it, the more I was falling in love with this coaching. And then I realized that I really enjoy coaching and teaching and guiding people. And that was the spark. And that was basically what started this whole idea of the tutoring business. So just to kind of follow up a bit on this part of the conversation just around, I mean, it sounds like part of the decision that you made around keeping it only one-on-one or mostly one-on-one, especially with the kids, 
was around a certain level of, you know, this is the level of quality and this is the level of support we want to be able to give. And so we have to keep it one-on-one. So have you tested and tried it in small groups and it just wasn't as successful? Or is it something that you feel like it's just not possible to get this level of support and this level of outcome for these kids without it being one-on-one? There is this company, you know, one of our competitors, and they do small group tutoring. And the students who are in the group, in most cases, are not at the same level. And we do get quite a few clients coming from them to us because they, they don't, they see that it's not providing results. Okay. And most of the students who come to us are those who are struggling with their math and sciences, or those who are coming to us with um, French, for example, or those who, are strugg- uh, who have little or no knowledge of French. And everyone comes to us with a different learning needs and learning pace. And for us to put them in a group, we feel it would not be fair to them in a sense that one student may pick up the information faster than the other one, and it's going to be another classroom environment for them that they already get in school with no result. So that's why, you know, we're focusing on one-on-one and, you know, we are looking into ways to see whether we can maybe provide this to even smaller groups and for those students who are at the same level of challenges, but it's, it's work in progress. And that's where we're looking into our, you know, math workshops. So maybe, for example, alongside our one-on-one programs, we can put together math workshops that can be available to a larger group and can benefit from, for example, which are going to be like recorded courses that they subscribe to or they pay for and they get those math problem solving workshops, for example. Awesome. Yeah, I really appreciate how, because I'm sure, as you said earlier, you know, there are additional logistical challenges that come with having a lot of people doing one-on-one, kind of managing all of those people. And I'm sure that your services are slightly more expensive because it's one-on-one and not group. And so some parents might have some difficulty with that, but you're essentially saying, well, this is what we need in order to achieve this level of excellence and provide this level of service. And you've decided like, this is what we have to do. And so that's what we're doing. Like there's a minimum level that you're willing to do. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, we want to be able to offer that quality experience to our clients. And I mean, it's probably it's not the right fit for everybody, but you know, those who appreciate, you know, the quality and the experience, then we would be, you know, we help them. And so my last question is, again, kind of in this vein of have you had times when you're thinking like, okay, maybe we should just do a group because it's difficult to find the people who will buy one-on-one or because I'm assuming that in some ways it's harder to sell or, you know, there is the price difference. So kind of just I'm curious about your experience there and what kind of caused you to stick to like, no, this is how we're doing it. Because you were saying, we're starting to look at it, but this is the baseline of service we have to stick to. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, I mean, this is basically the core of our service, all right? And we want to be able to also expand and scale. And that's why right now we're looking, let's say, for example, you know, for corporations, we offer those group programs because the students who, let's say, those employees who need our help for French, they're all at the same level of French, basically zero level of French. So it makes it easier for us to put them in one class and help them grow at the same time. And also logistically is much easier for the clients and for the corporation. And one thing that, as I said, we are looking into is through those uh, courses that we're building, like math problem solving workshops, or let's say, for example, with French, lots of students struggle with grammar, like conjugation, for example. We also plan to put together a workshop 
or courses for those. And these are like, when I say workshop, they're, they're, done, they're not going to be like a live workshop that we deliver. These are like courses that they subscribe to or they buy. So uh, the students can review them or view them in, at their own pace. And that's how we're planning to uh, offer those courses that can be available to a larger number of clients. But we still want to keep our one-on-one because that's our core business at the moment. Awesome. That was great. Thank you. Is there anything else you want to add or anything else that you think? No, no, it was great. Thanks so much for having me. Sam, where can our audience go to learn more about you and Liberty Tutoring? Yes, libertytutoring.ca. That's our website. So they can go there and learn more about you know what we offer and more about me and my wife, who's also my partner in the business. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sam. Now stick around for my favorite part of the show, where Abe and Ari will pull out the best takeaways for you to apply to your course. All right, Ari, it's time for the debrief. All right. I guess I kick things off by sharing that. I mean, I thought that was just an interesting business case study, first of all. We see a lot of people who have a vision for a course, but aren't necessarily able to turn it into a business in the way that that Sam has. So I think this is a good starting point for people who really want to build a business around their expertise, around how they help people. And there's kind of two takeaways. One is, yeah, like it actually does matter that you care about your topic and have some degree of of passion for it. (laughs) It shouldn't just be that because you feel like, oh, this is something I can make money at. That's probably not going to sustain you. And the second is it it might actually in some areas be easier to get started working with people in a higher priced one-on-one model and then be able to learn a lot from that. And somewhat counterintuitively, perhaps it might actually be in some markets easier to sell than a course that's going to require a lot more marketing, even though it's at a lower price point. So hopefully those two things could be helpful to people who are feeling sort of blocked on how do I go from, oh, I have this expertise, this way to help people, but how do I actually offer it? 100%. I mean, in fact, it's something that we often teach the people that we work with when they're thinking about starting a business. It is usually easier because, you know, making one sale is often, even if it's at a higher price, a lot easier than making 20 sales because you need to find the 20 people that will actually buy from you. And so I also really appreciate the way that they've, kind of stuck to the format that works for them and haven't just tried to shoehorn it into a course and scale. And they've scaled in a different way. So they have tutors and you know they're able to teach many, many more students than if just Sam is teaching. But I find that a lot of people, the moment they get to a point where like, okay, I have this baseline of clients. Now in order to scale, I just need to create a course and go on from that. So this is interesting in that, well, there are other ways to scale. And so you need to know what is the base level of service that you want to be providing and what is the best way for you to actually provide that service. It could be that one-on-one is the only good way to do it and it's worth examining. Yeah. Or yeah, sort of figuring out what is the right balance of a model that would skill for you. Exactly. But perhaps like examining whether there's hesitations or resistance around bringing in other people or, or building a team. I think that could be something that people face also where they either feel like they have to do everything themselves, like they could never afford to pay someone else to do it, or that no one else could do it the way that they could do it. But, you know, unless you're willing to sort of kind of look beyond those assumptions, it could be, you know, really hard to take tutoring or coaching or another service and 
you know, really grow into something more significant. Well, and I mean, Sam himself said in the hiring process is really critical there because he's not just finding any random person that can, let's say, potentially teach French. He's only bringing on the people who can specifically have certification or experience teaching French as a second language. And so finding the people with the right expertise is critical and not just growing the team willy-nilly and, you know, hoping for the best. Yeah. Awesome. Sam Mahmoudi is the founder and president of Liberty Tutoring. To find out more about him and their upcoming programs, head on over to libertytutoring.ca. That's libertytutoring.ca. Thank you for listening to Course Lab. I'm Abe Crystal, co-founder and CEO of RZQ, here with my co-host, Ari Emi. Course Lab is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Once Upon a Business and Making It. This episode of Course Lab was produced by Jeff Govertson. Cynthia Lamb is our supervising producer, and Danny Emi is our executive producer. If you don't want to miss the excellent episodes coming up on Course Lab, make sure to follow us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And are you enjoying our show? If so, go ahead and leave us a starred review. It really does make a difference. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. All right, are you ready? Wait, what's my cue? It's a behind-the-scenes kind of thing. (laughs) Hello, and welcome to Just Between Coaches, the podcast that tackles difficult coaching conversations head-on. I'm Melinda Cohen, and your host for this show. I also know that I'm listening when, again, my mind is relaxed. So I can almost sense that I'm listening on multiple levels. That's a great frame. That's a that's a really great way to think about it. Um, I think so, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because I think that something that is very dangerous is for people to think that being a great coach comes from having the credentials. One has nothing to do with the other. So again, part of it is just, you know, either through questions or asking what they've tried, or sometimes it's, you know, the forest for the trees thing. My favorite part of having the hard conversation is, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, so while I love what's on the other side, I think navigating through that conversation is my favorite part. Yeah, because we're not there necessarily as coaches to provide solutions. We're there to guide our people towards solutions. And I don't know if it's, you know, societal pressure or peer pressure, but we don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing. I want to help and support coaches so that they can evolve into their greatness. My desire for the show is if I could scoop up all of the coaches and bring them into my living room and bring up the topics that leave crinkles in our forehead so that we can fully understand what it means to show up in our greatness fully confident so that we can build better businesses, so that we can be better coaches, so that we can make a lasting impact on this world collectively. And we want to rise to that level. That being said, 
you do want to set yourself up and your clients up for success by making sure that there is clarity around their expectations and your expectations as to how you can help them. People have to know a little bit about what you offer. Otherwise, how do they know that they need what you can help them with in terms of that transformation? And I love having the conversations and navigating the topics that keep us at the forefront in a time with what I call the results revolution. Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to start by saying that this is a really good problem to have, right? So if you have someone who's resisting your price, it means they're really interested in working with you. The thing is, sometimes it becomes negative. It becomes toxic. I've been in the coaching industry for almost 20 years now. And over these years, I have seen everything behind the scenes in our industry, everything that works, everything that doesn't work. I've seen the evolution of our industry and of what it means to be a coach. I just want to say to all the coaches out there, you know, matching who you are to the kind of coach that you want to be is just a practice. Do you want to add some parting words? No, I think you did great. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. This is Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, this is absolutely the tone, the feel, the everything. Okay, so I'm going to stop the recording now. <laughs> Why are you stopping the recording? <laughs> this is going to be fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a wrap. That is going to be an amazing session.